0: I am yours, I am yours, I am yours, send me Lord, I am Welcome yours, to the Gospel Center Pro-Life Life Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about ministering in our mess. And if you're wondering what that means, then stay tuned for this episode because we feel like it will be a blessing to people in any kind of ministry, especially pro-life ministry. Send me Lord. I felt your passion, touched your Welcome to the gospel Center Pro-Life Podcast. Um, we wanted to do an episode about ministering in our mess. And we realize, and hopefully this podcast is a blessing to pro-life people, but I, I mean, I realized with this one and then the last uh, podcast that we did, the two-part podcast mm-hmm. about empowering versus enabling, that this will be more broad than just pro-life ministry, but really any ministry, anybody... That's involved in ministry. I think will benefit off of these podcasts. Yes, because we all deal with our mess. In this episode, in particular, we're talking about ministering in our mess. Now, I think, in some sense, at least, you know, because of our experience and and just what we do, that it's heightened in pro life ministry because we're dealing with literally life and death situations. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make our ministry more important, although I think it is more important <laughs> because it's what God has called me to. But it doesn't make us more important. It it just it's our experience, right? We have mess that we deal with and, and this in particular comes with your experience, Vicky, in mm-hmm. ministry. But we all have experience, you know, I can I'll share some of, of the mess that I've had to minister to. And what we mean by that is there's junk going on in our lives, in our personal lives, our family lives. Uh, church life, whatever, we, we all deal with mess in our lives, for sure. We're all called to ministry, and we're going to have to minister in that mess. And, and does there come a point where we need to stop doing ministry? You know, in particular, what we're talking about is sidewalk counseling ministry. Is there come a point where you need to stop going out to the sidewalk because of the things that are going on in your life? Mm-hmm. Or do you need to press on through that? Right. And hopefully, you know, there's some situations, I'll just say right right away, that there are some situations where, yeah, you do need to step back from the sidewalk you do need to step back from uh ministering in the pregnancy center you do need to step back even you know pastors need to step back from the pulpit sometimes they need to step back Mm -hmm. from from ministry in that capacity but i think maybe not more often than not but we need to be discerning and trying to figure out when do i just need to press through this now we're not even necessarily going to be talking about sin issues i think that can be a whole separate thing where we're talking about if there's unrepentant sin in your life right. then that's not ministering through your mess right that's ministering <laughs> in the midst of sin and you need to repent and and probably well, i'd say certainly do need to step out of ministry right. so we're not really talking about that per se what we're talking about is family issues health issues mm-hmm. uh even i don't know mental issues that you're dealing with i don't know you know not mental illness emotional, but just emotional, emotional stuff right. and, and all that right um so yeah
1: Yeah, you know, and something that uh, just occurred to me while you you were speaking was sometimes that mess is the result of spiritual warfare.
0: Yeah, and that's that's an important point. Different, and that's why I say, you know, again, from our experience, what we're dealing with. Now I tell folks the abortion issue, and especially at the abortion clinics, that's the devil's pride and joy. Right. the the sacrifice of little baby boys and little baby girls like the devil's always been after the destruction of the image of God and that's where it takes place the place uh m- most predominantly i guess you'd say and if you're going to go out there we tell our volunteers if you're going to come out here and commit to this this thing's the devil's pride and joy and he's not going to leave you alone there's going to be some spiritual warfare in your life that you have not experienced before if you're involved in that and this particular ministry doesn't mean it doesn't happen in other ministries it does You know, people talk about when they go to be missionaries in other countries and there's a lot of just demonic activity in those countries and things that the spiritual warfare is heightened. That's certainly true. But that is an important point is that we're maybe talking more than anything about spiritual warfare and the things that happen based on the fact that you've committed yourself to the Lord to really be in the battle. Because let's face it, most Christians, though we are we Get in the spiritual battle. When you become a Christian, you're in the battle. But most Christians are not engaged in the spiritual battle. Most Christians are, you know, sitting on the pews, sidelines. When you jump into the battle, this is when the mess is really going to be kicked up. And uh, you know, twelve thousand notches. You know <laughs> it.
1: I had I had one volunteer recently tell me, but do people think you're nutty when you talk about spiritual warfare? I said, probably but it's still real. Yeah. And I never knew that, honestly. I never knew that till I was on the sidewalk in front yeah. of an abortion center and I believe was effective and the devil does not like yeah. us being effective.
0: When you advance when you're being used by the Lord to advance his kingdom, the devil's not just going to sit by and let you do that without some opposition.
1: So so kind of something to think about. In the background of this whole discussion today is, do we then back off because Mm -hmm. we're under bitter attack? And I would say no. Right. No. But there are some attacks that are so brutal, and I did experience that, that it is almost impossible not to back off. Yeah because it's so well, dangerous.
0: This is this is one of those points where I need to remind folks that we're in a spiritual battle for sure. No matter what we're doing, if we're advancing God's kingdom, we're in a spiritual battle and we can't we can't fight alone. That's why it's important for us to be a part of a local church. If you don't have the support, the prayer support, the encouragement from your local church, it's really hard to get through. And if you don't have other believers around you, that's one of the the Real blessings for being a part of Cities for Life and being on the sidewalk is we have right. a group of people who are just some of the most godly and encouraging people you'll ever meet. And we encourage each other out there. So we, sure. we need each other. It can't, can't fight this thing alone. And some of the things that I've seen in pro life or abolitionists or whatever people want to call themselves ministering at an abortion clinic, I've seen people burn out, and I've seen people crash and burn. Because there are loners out there by themselves mm-hmm. and they're trying to do this thing alone with no support, with no encouragement from their local church, no accountability, and it just does not go well.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And the mess of their lives ends up overtaking them and, and they become very ineffective. I've seen that uh, more than more than once. Right. Take place.
1: So I can speak very knowledgeably. Yeah, about I wanted you to get into your story because I think subject. this will help
0: this will help people.
1: Yeah. About, I don't know, four years ago. Four to five years ago was when it started. And I was uh I'd been on the sidewalk probably about a year. Mm -hmm. I had experienced spiritual warfare, but not to the extent of what happened all in the space of about three months. And in in that time period in my life, really everything that I held dear fell apart. Mm -hmm. Uh, there were severe family issues. My family just really imploded yeah. in many areas. Um, savings wiped out. My Both my parents were put in and they lost their health and had to go into assisted living. And I pretty much single-handedly uh moved them, I was the one that went and and helped gather all their things went to the nursing homes and um and helped them select a nursing home en- enormously emotionally difficult yeah, both my dogs, my beloved dogs died of cancer, and then I was diagnosed with uh breast cancer mm-hmm. and that all happened literally within a three month period right so um it so you was, had some mess going on. Oh, it was such a mess in, in every area. And I really had no idea how I was going to survive. Yeah, uh, There was just so much sorrow yeah. and despair. So I had a choice. I could have stopped coming out to the sidewalk, but I didn't because I kept saying in my head, I hate what's happening in my life, and I actually hated some people in my life at the time. But I hated Satan more, yeah. and I was not going to give him the victory. Yeah. I was determined not to give him the victory. And I would drive to the sidewalk for on my ministry day. At that time, I was coming out just once a week, crying my eyes out, thinking about all these things, everything, that I was facing and thinking, how on earth can I minister to anyone with all that I'm struggling with? And I would get there, and God would just take over and take care of me. And I think part of it was that I was surrounded by godly people who none of very few knew if anybody i don't think i shared with anyone out here uh much of what i was going through but um but i was in the midst of people who were filled with the holy spirit and loved god and and um and came around surrounded me with that with that love and and knowledge of god so there was that, which I think was critical, but there was also that in the midst of all that stuff that I was struggling with, God was using me. There was no doubt. There would be women saved, women that would come to the Lord, women that would come and talk to me, women that would choose life. And I knew God was using me as a, an instrument to bring yeah. that about. And it brought me so much joy, really the only joy yeah. that I experienced, was experiencing at that time in my life yeah. and purpose.
0: Yeah. Um, one of the realities that we see scripturally speaking— because this is not just, we're not just talking experiential. You know, the Bible, what the Bible teaches and what the Bible says is most important to us, not just our experience. And when we talk about spiritual warfare, people can get kind of weirded out by that. Are you talking about some kooky stuff, you know, yeah. where you're seeing angels and demons and all of that? And, I mean, biblically, that kind of stuff can happen. Angels do show up and demons do <laughs> do show up, but we're not really talking about that. What we're talking about is, is some of the attacks that just come physically. hmm um, and we're talking about attacks that come on your mind, things that, like, why am I thinking this way? Why am I, you know, and just in general, just your life being <laughs> under attack, it seems like you're you're getting hit from every angle. Right. And so when we're talking about spiritual warfare. We're really talking about how it hits home practically in in a lot of ways and, and how it can, you know, at least have you tempted to, to, to back away from ministry in a time where you really just need to press in. Now, yeah. again, there are times when, you know, I, I'll tell our volunteers that your first ministry, because a lot of our volunteers are, are women, a lot of them are even homeschool moms and, and that right. kind of thing. And i tell them your first ministry is to your family. So here, here's a gauge for me if you need to back away from ministry is you being out here on the sidewalk, taking away from your first and primary ministry, which is to your family. If it's taken away from that, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be some times, and we talked about this a little bit in our our last Mm -hmm. couple of podcasts, there's going to be some times where you just have to press in and you have to, you know, whatever, you know, miss, you know, Soccer games or something like that. Now it shouldn't be a regular pattern, so I'm not encouraging any of that. But I'm just saying there's going to be some time, some sacrifices you have to make. But if you're neglecting your first ministry, if you're neglecting your family and whatever ministry you're involved in, then you definitely need to rethink that thing. Right. right. Um, but there, there is a hard, and, and I'm listen. We're not on this podcast to give you the answer of when you need to back away from ministry and when you need to press in. I'm not, I don't think we're going to give you the exact answer. The only answer we're going to say is you need to seek the Lord and you need to seek godly counsel from other people. It's it's always good again, to be a part of a local church where you can talk with your pastor. You can talk with other elders in the church. Of course, if you're a, a woman and you know, if you're a man, talk to your wife, talk to your husband, get counsel right. from them, get counsel from other brothers and sisters. Hey, do I need to press in or do I need to back away from ministry? But there are some principles and there's a, there's a scripture that you brought out. Right. I really think it's important yeah. for us to have a theme scripture. Yes. At least a couple of scriptures that we're thinking about when we're thinking about this whole thing, ministering through our mess. So, so what is that scripture? 2 Corinthians 12?
1: 2 Corinthians twelve nine. Okay, And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So that scripture really spoke to me uh, in, in one way saying, yes, you may bring your mess to ministry and still be effective in ministry. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the main point of when I was thinking through this, that you can be a mess and still be effective and not to be afraid or feel like a hypocrite that I'm so broken, how could I possibly help fix someone else? Yeah. While I was going through my really extreme struggles, there were some principles that I learned that sustained me and I think might be valuable to others. So I thought of five that, uh, that I felt were lessons I had learned as, as I went, th- went through what I was okay. going through. So the first one is hate and anger should never be our motivation. Okay. For ministry. Yeah, because
0: there can be some things going on in your life, personal issues, people that are doing things to you that are not good and uh taking advantage of you in certain ways. Whatever. I don't know. I'm not gonna name out a bunch of content. I mean it could be a husband and wife relationship. It could be other relationships, church relationships even where people are taking advantage of people are not doing what they should be doing from their perspective. And of course it it's personally offensive, it makes you angry, and and you can be anger angered and just kind of vent that anger, you know, at the abortion clinic or at whatever right. ministry that you're involved right. in. And you know, I tell people and we put it out there, I'll I'll refer you guys to, to our Sidewalks for Life site and I, I talked about this article I wrote at the very beginning when we, we started putting out blog posts for that website, and it's the philosophy of ministry. What is our philosophy of ministry as gospel-centered sidewalk counselors? And one of those things is that our motivation cannot be hatred for abortion. We can't be motivated by hatred for abortion, by hatred for Planned Parenthood, certainly by hatred for people. And uh, and in the same way, this that that point applies here. Hatred cannot be our motivation for ministry. As wicked as abortion is, it cannot be our motivation for ministry. Right. right. It's not. It's, it's bad to hate abortion. It's not. You should hate abortion. It's a very evil thing, but it cannot be your primary motivation.
1: Right. And in understanding, I know when I was going through, there was a a great deal of anger as I was going through my mess. I really analyzed where that anger was coming from. Mm -hmm. And for me, there were two main areas, fear and hurt. Okay. So knowing that actually... God used that revelation of of using my own anger and understanding where that was coming from to better understand the people that I was ministering to do to and feeling greater empathy towards and for them because of what I knew I was, what was the source of my anger. And it became, I was not uh, as defensive or uh, harmed by their anger, the anger of the people, because at least, I don't know if that's true of all ministries, but certainly in our ministry, the people we minister to are often very angry. Yeah. At us.
0: Yeah. We get a lot of angry tirades (laughs) directed toward us. Yeah. (laughs) Well, from time to time, from time to time.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I recognize that just as, as I had, at times during what I was going through fueled my anger in destructive ways. Yeah, That's what those women are often doing yeah. out at the abortion center, the abortion-minded women. And it gave me a whole new—two really important things— gave me a whole new insight into ministering to them, but also changed me. Yeah. It changed me in the mess— that I was going through, God was healing me and giving me new strategies yeah. in how to more effectively deal with things that I was doing to cause some yeah, of that yeah. mess. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, the Lord uses a mess that we bring upon ourselves and other people bring upon us to, to sanctify us. And ultimately, I think you'll talk a little bit more about this as we're going through, uh, from your personal experience, but just biblically in general. Who's our example?
1: Right, Jesus right. is our example. And look right. at the
0: mess that he had to minister through. You know, yes, he came into his own, and his own did not receive him. So he came to the Jewish people, and he's the Messiah that comes on the scene to to heal their wounds and to you know to to lead them to truth. And they outright reject him, and, and he's dealing with you know, brick wall after brick wall in in ministry, and ultimately he's crucified, right? Just completely rejected. All he does is good for people, and they want to accuse him of being, you know, he's casting demons out of people, and they're saying, you're doing it by the power of demons. Wow, he can't win for losing with these people. Right. And he's our ultimate example of ministering through the Mm mess, and yet, you know, we see in Christ that he's always going to the Father. He's always clinging to the Father. He's always you know, confiding, I guess you could say, in the Father. And, and, and that's his source for life, so to speak. Now, he's, of course, the divine Son of God. But he's showing us in his humanity because he lays that that divinity, in a sense, aside. And in his humanity, he's showing us what it is to be in fellowship with the Father and to minister out of that. And that's an important point.
1: Exactly, and that's where, where he found his strength, and that's where we find our strength. Instead yeah. of focusing on... How weak we are, or how reviled we are, or whatever. Yeah. Focusing on God, we well, you know the Apostle Paul. The you know, you
0: read that scripture from uh, that was Second Corinthians. Corinthians right. Another scripture in Second Corinthians, very early on, Second Corinthians chapter two. This is one of my favorite scriptures when it talks about sufficiency and being sufficient in ourselves. The danger is when we think we've got it together, that we don't have mess going on. We've got it figured out, and we can minister in our own sufficiency. That would be a, that would be a terrible trap to fall into, yeah. and so if nothing else, maybe this podcast will help you from from falling into that trap. Because when you think you've got it figured out and you can do this in your own strength, you are in the worst place you could possibly be in. But this is Second Corinthians two, Second Corinthians two, and verse fourteen. It says, "Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. So our triumph is in Christ, right. not in our, in and of ourselves. And through th- and through us, diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place." For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. Who is sufficient for these things? And so he's talking about the ministry of the gospel. He's talking about going in. I mean, look at the life of the Apostle Paul. He's going into areas where people are trying to kill him. Right. There are people who are ref- refusing his message and, and casting him out of the city and threatening to kill him and, and and mobs are raising up against him. And then there are people who are receiving the message of the gospel. And there are all kinds of miracles taking place through this brother. So he's seeing like both extremes. And he's recognizing in this, he says, To one, we are the fragrance of death leading to death. Like they hate us, they want us to get away from them, we are stenching their nostrils. And to the other, we are a fragrance of life leading to life. And he says, who's sufficient for these things? Like, who can deal with both of these extremes? Who can deal with the tension of ministry? Who can deal with the mess in personally in our lives and the mess that ministry itself brings? Who's sufficient for these things? That's a rhetorical question. Nobody is. That's why our sufficiency, I think he goes later on to say in Second in Corinthians or another place he says, that our sufficiency is in Christ. Right. And so it's clinging to Christ as our sufficiency, as we're dealing with the mess, but continue on with what you got right. there. Right,
1: and we'll just piggybacking off of that idea, just just briefly. If if uh, turning turning to Christ in the midst of our mess is critical, because I have seen some people become bitter and angry at God yeah. in the midst of their mess, blame it all on Him, say, "Why is this happening to me?" And I think that just feeds again into um, the sense of uh, you know. I deserve better yeah and no we don't we all deserve hell yeah but when we are weak and when we completely submit and lose our pride I had no pride that it was me doing anything <laughs> right, on yeah. that sidewalk because I was bringing nothing to that sidewalk yeah but Christ really filled me yeah and empowered me to a point where really even I was surprised. Like, how yeah. is this happening out of yeah, all this weakness? I believe it's,
0: it's the Apostle Paul also who says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Mm-hmm. So all we are is these earthen vessels. And when you think of an earthen vessel, you know, in, in that day and age, we're talking just a common vessel. We're just, there's nothing special about us. An earthen vessel is not like a, a brass or, or gold or silver vessel. Mm-hmm. It's just a common vessel. and right. that's, what, that's what he's saying. That's what's implied there. We have this treasure. So imagine putting an awesome treasure, a bunch of gold, in a just old clay pot. That's that's kind of the picture there. We have this treasure, which is God's spirit, God's truth, God's word, that's put in these common vessels. There's nothing special about us. It's God's truth that really um, that really is it makes the difference. Right. And we have to understand. I think if we have this mentality that there's something special about us, that God somehow needs us. Then we're gonna crash and burn pretty easy.
1: Yeah, that's a really and, good point. And
0: and seeing the mess and being honest about the mess that's going on in our lives helps us to see our sufficiency in Christ and helps us to see our weakness and his strength is that second that Corinthians fourteen passage, mm-hmm. his strength is made perfect in weakness. So when we're weak and we ain't got it figured out, and we can't do this ourselves, the fruit that's being born, all glory goes to God. And and you know, we'll say God did it through me he used me like he used a donkey but that's right. that's simply it I was just right. a vessel that he used and yeah. he'll use you too you know
1: exactly so uh the second point that I wrote down as I was thinking through the principles was that uh, it's similar to the first one that hate and anger anger will never sustain us in ministry yeah we will burn out very quickly and you know a great verse is James James 1 20, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God so in my own story I I was uh like I had said earlier I, I was filled with anger and hurt and pain but I'd come to the sidewalk and start ministering and what replaced all of that was just utter joy yeah the joy was that God was using me and that I knew he was using me because uh, I knew I couldn't do it and I knew that it, it was this 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 unbelievable spirit that was working through this very broken vessel. Mm-hmm. That is such a powerful thing to have yeah. and, t- and to experience. So it was joy that kept me coming back. And that joy persists. there is yeah. there's really the one of the happiest, places that I am is on the sidewalk. That's
0: crazy. And not
1: because of all the horror that is happening in that building, but because the glory of God is exhibited by every volunteer that is there filled with the spirit and allowing themselves to be used by him. It is beautiful to behold. Yeah, yeah. So do you have anything to add, add to that no, that's, one? No, that's a good
0: point. Like I said, it ties into that first point. Right. And so the third point is our model for ministry should be Jesus. And we, we mentioned that, that right. he is our model for ministry, you know, the... I think you you had said something about the bracelets that people used to wear. What would Jesus do? Right. What would
1: Jesus do? What What would would Jesus do? do? What would Jesus do? WWJD. It was all over the place. I forget what what decade that happened, but um, on T-shirts, on bracelets. became kind of trite. Yeah. But it's true. It it is true. true. (laughs) I think
0: even more biblically, we can look at what did Jesus do? Like we have biblical example. We don't have to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do? We can look in the scripture and say, what did Jesus do? What did he do when he experienced opposition? What did he do when he was ridiculed? What did he do when family members, I mean, he had points where his brothers mocked him. Like, you know, if you, if, hey, listen, if you're the son of God and you do these miracles, well, why aren't you out there in the public doing them? You right. know, And so he certainly dealt with a lot of the mess of life and ministered through it, again, clinging to the Father. And I think that's that's the most important point, as it has to do with this point, is our model of ministry is Jesus. What did Jesus do is he always sought the Father's will. He always cling. You could find Jesus out praying, right? His disciples would find him praying. He's seeking God. He's clinging to the Lord. And that's not always easy to do when you're dealing with the mess, you know, I had a, a, a time in my life. Um, my wife, this was back when our twins, my wife was pregnant with our twins. Mm-hmm. They're eight years old now. Right. But I was coming out. I had been coming out for a couple of years at that point, And we'd been coming out as a family to the sidewalks to minister at the abortion clinic. And that was just when I was coming out on Saturdays. I, I, I did another job at that time. and, and, thankfully the Lord graciously opened the door for me to do this and on a more full-time basis. But at that time I was not, I was doing other things. Anyway, the point is my wife was in the hospital for about three months with the twins hooked up to all these things and all these, you know, sensors and all that. Cause they thought that the twins weren't going to make it. And uh, that was a difficult mess. Let me just tell you, I my wife manage. is, you know, 45 minutes away and yeah, we have four of the children at home. We're trying to homeschool. I'm trying to work. And then still trying to do ministry on the sidewalk and, and there were Saturdays where, you know, I was committed. I really was. I was like, God, I'm going to go there in as much as I can. And it was all by the grace of God, it's not because I'm special and great and whatever. I, I don't believe that at all. It's all by the grace of God. But I'm like, as, as much as I can, I'm going to go there. And there are times I couldn't go. I, mean, I had to go visit my wife in the hospital. I had to you, you deal with the children. But I would make it more often than not. Right. And I would... I almost dread going because <laughs> I'm dealing with all this mess and as I'm going I'm all like man I shouldn't even be going here what a, I got so much junk going on in my life and when I would get there though it would be like the heaven opens <laughs> the heavens open up exactly and I feel and I think here's the point is I feel the pleasure of my father like he sees I've pressed through this mess I didn't let the devil win and I pressed through and it might be I came out and stayed for an hour I stayed for 2 hours or whatever but it's like, and it's not about me. It's not about me feeling good. It's it's about the Lord. But as children of God, there is a sense in which the pleasure of the Father in our lives is important. And you see that in the life of Jesus. You know, the Father speaks from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. It's like affirmation that we get from the Father. It's like your kids, you know, when they've, when they've done something good. Right. And they, they get that affirmation. They feel good. And that good feeling of doing the Father's will... Will continue to motivate us
1: sure and, well and, uh, you know we all want to hear well done yeah. good and faithful servant i think that's biblical that yeah. that is that is where we want to end up
0: yeah yeah absolutely but that point of uh, clinging to the father in the midst of that season of my life and i've had other seasons where i've dealt with other stuff going on like majorly you know, we all deal with stuff on a day-to-day basis but like i'm talking like majorly dealing with stuff and learning to cling to the Father, learning to not neglect prayer, to be in prayer in as much as I can, and being in the Word in as much as we can. We, we can't neglect those things. Man can't live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, we need to be in God's Word. And had I not been, by His grace, in prayer and fellowship mm-hmm. with Him, I don't think I could have made it through that season. And, you know, as a family, we came out on the other, other, other side of that season. And it just so such a blessing to look back and see God brought us through that. And and people ask me, How'd you get through that season? It was it was hard, right? Yeah, it was hard. But looking back, I don't remember it being that hard. Now in the midst of it, it was hard. But looking back, I just see the grace of God through it. You know? Right.
1: I'm I'm sure you probably have experienced that, but I found through my most difficult seasons is when I felt God was the closest. Yeah. I've had other people say they felt that he had slammed a door in their face. Mm -hmm. That was not my experience. I could just pray for hours. I was consumed with God because really he was all I had left. That's kind of how I felt. I had nothing else. But I've heard your story and your wife, Courtney, share that experience with moms that we minister to, what, what you all went through with the twins. And it's been very powerful in helping yeah. the people that you minister to. And there is just no doubt that God uses the messes in our life to then go on and help others. And there yeah. is a verse that I can't quite remember um, word for word, but that that God does use the struggles in our life, so that when we survive, get through them, we can then go on and minister to others. Yeah. So, uh, the fourth point that oh, I I did want to say that oh, in the ministry, our ministry should be modeled on Jesus. You made it the, I think the most important point that we should be like Jesus in in the continual turning to the Father. But I was thinking about that. How would I have characterized Jesus during the time here on earth? Just in general, describe him. Mm -hmm. And the first word that would come to my mind would be love. He was filled with love. He was filled with truth, for sure. But I don't picture him as angry. Okay. There were periods of yeah, anger, yeah, no, righteous anger when he overturned the tables or when he would be angry with um, as particularly the the Pharisees. But that wasn't how I would characterize him. the yeah. The overwhelming picture of Jesus was of calm. He was the one that calmed the storm, not the one that stirred up the storm. Yeah, And I think that that's really important, at least for me, keeping that picture, as I'm standing in a in a ministry that has a lot of antagonism mm-hmm. being directed towards those of us who are ministering, yeah, we are to reflect Jesus. Jesus was calm and confident and filled with truth and able to help yeah. others. Yeah, absolutely. So a fourth point is that the messes in our life are no surprise to god yeah and they i think we have to be very careful if we say they excuse us from right. ministry yeah because really all of us are in some sort of a mess all the time at yeah. least i am maybe i'm unusual <laughs> but if i used no, I, the think, me- I mean just in general <laughs> human
0: beings are are flawed and broken yeah. And we are surrounded by other human beings that are flawed and broken right. in our families and in our circles and, and work and all of that. So, no, everybody has messes that they're, they're yeah. dealing with for sure.
1: So, if we're called to ministry and we're waiting <clears throat> till we're done with the mess, yeah. we'll be waiting forever. Yeah, We will never be involved As a matter of fact, in ministry. You, you've,
0: you've left yourself in a mess by not stepping out in faith and, and believing That's that right. the Lord can move in the midst of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So our, uh, the, the fifth point, which was the final point that I came up with just out of my own experience, this is in no ways a definitive, complete list, mm-hmm. but it were just some of the main principles that I came up with. Our motivation of all our behavior in ministry should be to glorify God. Yeah, And a great verse with that is 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that, again, you, it, it ties into to love. Yes. It ties into a proper understanding of love, a, a proper perspective of love, and a, a, pop, a proper direction of love. And what I mean by that is, you know, Jesus gives the two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So it's not just that love should be our primary motivation for ministry, because if it's just love for human beings and love for people, you know, love for unborn children, love for women, love for people who are impoverished or whatever, if that's our primary motivation, it's the cart before the horse. Mm -hmm. Our first motivation should be a love for God. And because we love him, Mm -hmm. then we love our neighbor. And we can properly show love toward our neighbor. And we can properly love our neighbor like we should if we first, are connected to God through love for Him, yeah. Um, because if we're motivated by just love for people, you know, especially if you're involved in the ministry that we're in, we're dealing with, and we we certainly love the women, no no doubt about it. But right. if our primary motivation is love for women, these poor innocent women that are in these difficult situations, we're going to be burned real quick because you're going to find. They don't love you back they're not so loving <laughs> sometimes
1: you know what it's almost as bad as as being motivated by hate being yeah. being motivated by love in in, in terms that way. in yes in terms that you're going to be disappointed in in either way yeah. it, you know because you're you were going exactly where my thoughts were going as, as you were speaking that they don't always treat us back with love and it is it would be very easy and i have seen many volunteers burn out because they're so disappointed i gave my all i was so good i was so kind i was so loving and they still rejected me
0: yeah well, yeah. yeah, and that's why it has to be love for God and, and a yeah. desire to see God glorified through our ministry. Because if if it's not a desire to see God's glory, mm-hmm. if it's only a desire to help poor, innocent people or, or whatever, then again, we're going to be disappointed. And, you know, it's it's an unbiblical motivation. It's all about God's glory. And it kind of ties into this idea that even though there are victories, and we see victories on a regular basis, that We can't take ownership of those victories uh, just as much as we can't take ownership of the defeats. I'm sure we've probably shared that in a in a podcast before. Right. It's something we, we tell our folks. We yeah. can't take ownership of the victories, and we don't. We give glory to God, and we're just right. these earthen vessels that God has chosen to use. And he'll use yeah. any earthen vessel that, that he wants to use. But we also can't take ownership of the defeats. And if it's love for God and I'm motivated by love for him, then really the outward results— as easy it is for me to say and hard as it is for us to really walk in, don't matter.
1: That's like true. I'm out
0: here because of God. I'm out here to glorify God. So whether babies are saved or not, I'm going to be here because it's not about whether babies are saved or not. It's not about whether I feel good about myself or not. It's about God's glory. He's called me to be here, so I'm going to do it whether there's an outward result or not. Now, again, that's easy for me to say, and it's really hard to do when you're involved in ministry. and You might not see. I mean, there's days where we're out there, And we see, you know, 20, 30, 40 babies go into that abortion clinic that are being killed by their mothers and by their mothers through the abortionists. And the fathers are there and doing nothing about it. Yeah. And it can be very discouraging when you don't see anybody choose life. Yeah. We have to remind ourselves constantly, this is not about me. It's not even about them. It is about God. And I'm out here to bring glory to his name and obedience to him.
1: That's right. That's right. I love this verse from Nehemiah 810. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: The love of the Lord and the joy of the Lord is what empowers us.
0: Amen. Well, we hope you guys were encouraged by this podcast. Um, We were certainly encouraged by going through these points and Mm. and reading these scriptures and talking about these things. Um, We hope to be able to put this up on our Sidewalks for Life site as a blog post to help encourage people involved. Again, guys, please share these podcasts with other people and uh, and share with us some of your feedback that you have. Was it a good podcast? Would you like to hear more stuff like this? Are there other suggestions that you have for subjects we can cover? We'd love to hear those things. And, uh, and we'd love to hear just how you guys are being blessed or maybe not blessed <laughs> by the podcast criticisms that you have. We certainly could do better, and we know that. Um, but we do hope that you are blessed by it. We hope that you visit our website at sidewalksforlife.com, sidewalks4life.com, number four, life.com, and then locally charlotte.citiesforlife.org. And again, that you share the content that we put out on those websites with other people. Uh, we pray God's blessing of you as you seek to serve him whatever ministry he calls you to. Just seek to do it for his glory and understand the sufficiency is not in you. It's not in your wisdom and your ability, but your sufficiency comes from Christ and you cling to him. He is the vine, and we are the branches. If we abide in him, we'll bear much fruit. So God bless you as you continue to bear fruit as you abide in him, and uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Give me an outlet for love Give me an outlet for gratitude I know it will cost me too precious since I met you.